welcome to Gender Sexuality School. I'm Tara Goldstein, and we're podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. In November, LGBTQ Families Speak Out team member Kate Reed discussed her research about using songs to do gender and sexuality education at school. Today on Gender Sexuality School, another LGBTQ Families Speak Out team member, Pam Bear, is here to talk about her applied theater research with kids living in LGBTQ families. Pam, welcome to Gender Sexuality School. Thanks, Tara. It's great to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. So, Pam, can you tell us a little bit about the goals of your thesis research and the research questions you're asking and answering in your study? Absolutely. Um, So, my research, um, it really stemmed from a deeply personal place. When When I first wrote my proposal, my partner was pregnant with our first child. I had so many questions and fears about what it meant to raise a child in a queer family. How would we navigate homophobia and heteronormativity? How would we, as queer parents, protect this innocent and precious little being we chose to create? Um, it was it was an unknown time in my life, um, as it is for anybody about to become a parent. But for me, you know, it was there was these these added layers of nervousness and unknownness. Um, so as an academic and as an artist, <laughs> I turned to research to try to answer my questions. And I think the hope was that I would alleviate some of my fears, you know, like right. find some answers, always with the answers. If I have answers, I can get through it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's how I, I kind of decided to engage young people with LGBTQ parents in a three-day art-making workshop. Fantastic. And what were your research questions at the time? Well, we used theater, puppetry, songwriting, poetry, bookmaking, dance, all sorts of art forms to kind of explore their experiences. So the art provided a container in which the young people could tell their stories, understand and reflect on their experiences, and then begin to advocate for change. And so as an applied theater artist, I'm interested in how we can use art to engage in anti-oppression education. Um, And as a queer parent, I'm interested in how we can do better, um, how we can learn from past experiences and kind of work towards a better future for the youngest and most vulnerable members of our community. Wonderful. So I know you're analyzing um, your data right now, but while you were conducting the uh, study, what kinds of things did you begin to find out? What did you uh, begin to discover? Hmm. I think that uh, most notably, I rediscovered um, the power of art, um, Uh both to tell a story, but also to break down barriers. Um, There's a vulnerability that is needed in order to create art together. And I found that things such as movement helps us find that vulnerable place where we could kind of tell our stories, where we could be heard and witnessed and validated in our experiences. that in being vulnerable together, these young people were able to create openings for new beginnings. I understand. Yeah, so they were able to kind of figure out how things could be different, um, reflect on their experience, and I don't know, anticipate how they could work towards change in the future. Um, Is there an example that stands out? Well, I think that one of the big things I, in terms of kind of their experience that really spoke to me is that kids from queer and trans families, they, they're looking for a really different type of recognition than they were 10 years ago. Right. Um, 
we used to want to be recognized as the same, right? right. We would hear these, 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 the, hear people saying, our family is just like yours, or love makes a family, right? And right. A lot of the children's books that were written at that time were all about normalizing families within right. kind of a heteronormative um, framework of what is family or how we define family. And so the kids I worked with were just like, our families are different, and that's what right. makes us special. Um, they didn't want to be put into some box or labeled in some way or or viewed as as the same as everybody else because they wanted their their difference to be recognized um, and so you know they figure everybody's different in some way and this is just one of the ways that they're different so everybody should just get over it like they were very vocal in their desire for folks to get over it right um, they worked with Kate Reed, who you okay. interviewed last time, and she came in and did a little songwriting workshop. And um, so the kids were able to write a song all about their experiences and what they wanted people to know about their families. So the chorus went like this. Okay. Don't judge how our families love, because you can't choose who you love. Don't judge how our families connect. We all deserve a little respect. Because <laughs> difference is a good thing, and yes, my family's different. I said difference is a great thing. We're all different in our own way. So originally they had wanted that end line to say, and you are different too, to right. really like point to the listener and say, everybody's different. Um, uh, but I think that ultimately they just wanted to celebrate difference. And I think that that, that is really powerful. It um, is. It's a really powerful takeaway and a really powerful kind of transition in where we're at in terms, in terms of recognizing LGBTQ families. Um, so since we're here and we're talking about a song, I'm going to read you the last verse, which was written by a 10-year-old um, participant, and she said this. We refuse to conform to your ridiculous standards. We don't have to love certain people, love certain things, and follow gender stereotypes. Queer isn't a choice. Queer is my family. We refuse to conform to your ridiculous standards. We don't have to love certain people, love certain things, and follow gender stereotypes. Queer is a choice. Queer is my family. Woo! that the um, data collection is over, you have a song, mm -hmm. and you're analyzing and writing up your findings. Uh, based on some of the things that we talked about, what advice do you have for teachers who want to queer their curriculum through applied theater? 
Well, so I've been thinking about this question, and I, I think that we often think about gender and sexuality as uh, something that we need to address in high school. Right. Um, and what I'm seeing in my research is that grade five um, was the turning point for these kids. Um, in what way? It was when they were being bullied about okay. their family formations, being called out on gender norms, um, being asked to explain themselves and their families over and over and over again. Right. Um, there was kind of that feeling of, oh, I have to do this again. Uh, and that they had to always start at the beginning. Um, they had to explain you know, how they were conceived and how their family came to look like what it looked like um, every time they encountered someone new. And, and there was almost an exhaustion with that. Right. Um, so kids, kids, you know, middle school kids, elementary, like later in elementary school, kids are at an age where they're discovering their independence. Um, they're engaging in identity formation and they're exerting their power and trying to establish norms. Um, so I think that this means as educators, we have to get to them before that. Right. Um, to borrow the words from one of our participants in yes. the LGBTQ Families Speak Out project, we have to start the work at the beginning. Exactly. Um, you know, we need to engage uh, with conversations about LGBTQ identities before the bullying starts. Um, all of my students have been bullied about their family formations. Right. Uh, we can't just react to it afterwards. There has to be that prevention. Um, we need to establish different norms in our schools, in our minds, and in our hearts that include a diverse set of identities and experiences. These are conversations that have to find their way into elementary schools regardless of who is in your class. Right. Don't wait for the queer and trans parents to come to you to read books with queer and trans characters. Right. Find a way to queer your curriculum for all students, for the ones who will come out when they are older. Right. For the ones who have aunts who are lesbians or grandparents that are trans. Right. You know, you don't know everything about your students. You don't know their whole story. You may think you do because you know them and their immediate family in this moment. And I think that what we need to do is we need to create space that allows them to tell us their story. Um, because if you take the time to create that space, I think you're going to be amazed at the diversity of knowledge and experience that really young kids can bring to the classroom. Um, so I think art making is one of the ways to do this. Right? Yes. Like I'm an artist. I think creating together creates openings for storytelling and experience sharing, but it's not the only way. So my advice to educators is find it, figure out what makes sense for you in your classroom and your students. Um, because it's going to make all the difference in the world to a young person who has never seen themselves reflected in curricular materials or classroom conversations. And it's going to contribute to a wider understanding for all students so that when they do get to grade four, grade five, grade six, and they're figuring out who they are and what that means, they have a wide range of possibilities, right? If we work to create openings, we're going to be amazed at how our students fill them. I think that last point is incredibly important because we did talk to families who had children who uh, transitioned as early as grade one. So this idea that um, certain conversations need to wait until kids are older would have done nothing to support uh, the young the young trans girl who was transitioning in grade one. Exactly, exactly. Excellent. Pam, thanks so much for joining us. We loved hearing about your project <laughs> and the way you've um, used art to queer the curriculum um, 
in the classroom, outside the classroom. Pam Bear is a theater and media artist who focuses on community-engaged work. Pam has facilitated community-based projects with diverse groups in England, Ghana, and Canada. Her current work focuses on LGBTQ families, stories, and representations. It explores the role of collective creation and participatory media in social justice education. Pam is a PhD student at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education. Recent directing credits include Queering Family, The Story of Us, Part 4, which screened Toronto Short Film Festival in 2016, Castro and Sylvie, staged at the Summer Works Festival in 2015, and Creating Our Families, LGBTQ Encounters with Fertility Clinics. This premiered at the Gladstone Hotel by the LGBTQ Parenting Network, also in 2015. All right, that's our podcast for today. If you have any burning questions about gender, sexuality, and school, send an email to info at lgbtqfamiliespeakout.ca with the subject line, Ask Gender Sexuality School. In future podcasts, I'll take listeners' questions about issues of gender and sexuality at school and try to answer them with the help of some amazing folks who have been thinking about gender and sexuality for a while. You can find this podcast at www.lgbtqfamilyspeakout.ca. This episode was produced with the support of the New College Initiative Fund and from Helgi Artisan Goodmanson, who is a Master of Education student at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education. Thanks to the LGBTQ Family Speakout team member Kate Reed, sound engineer Lisa Patterson, and musician Doug Friesen for creating the music that opens and closes the show. I'm Tara Goldstein. All the best. <laughs>